1: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: NBA Flashback is a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA. Here's Ginobili. To open.
3: for three. Oh! off the charts. All right, for three.
2: shot Bob, the man who hit so many clutch shots, we couldn't fit them all into one montage. Robert Ory is a seven-time NBA champion, played on three of the greatest teams in history, and never lost in NBA Finals. It doesn't get any more big time, and today we're talking with Rob about what he considers to be the biggest shot he ever made. On today's episode of NBA Flashback, We go back to May 26, 2002, 20 years ago when Lose Yourself by Eminem was the biggest song of the year. The Lakers are going for their third straight NBA title, but the Kings have them on the ropes. Sacramento is up two games to one in the Western Conference Finals as we head into a vital Game 4 at Staples Center. We talk with Big Shot Bob about the intense rivalry with the Kings, his secret to being so cool in the biggest moments and what was going through his mind as the ball bounced perfectly to him and the clock was about to run out. Just like Eminem said, if you had one shot to seize everything you ever wanted, would you capture it or let it slip? We're honored to be joined by seven-time NBA champion, maybe the greatest clutch shooter in NBA history. He has a new podcast starting April 26 called NBA Finals File. Big Shot Bob, a.k.a. Robert Ori. Rob, thanks so much for being here with us.
4: Man, my pleasure. It's, it's, it's great to be here. You know, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this whole podcasting, you know what I
3: mean? <laughs> oh, I,
2: We're going to get into that because we're going to talk about your podcast. But before we get to that, we're going to go back to an extraordinary memory, I'm sure for you and for all of us who love the game, to reminisce on, on just the 2002 Western Conference Finals, May 26th. It was game four, and this was the third year in a row that you guys had played the Kings in the playoffs. Put into perspective what the rivalry was like at that point between the Lakers and the Kings.
4: Man, the rivalry grew each and every year. Uh, it, It was amazing because you remember the one year we swept them, and it was so many times they thought it was their year, you know, they thought they were the Kings of the West, and it was a lot of bickering going back and forth, and it was it was one of those times where you had to come out ready to play because each team had bulletin board material to hype them up.
2: <laughs> it's amazing to think about, and it's amazing to think about that rivalry. However, you guys, the Lakers, you had dominated them the previous three years, and in, in this season, it was a little bit different. Um, they had the better record; they had home mm-hmm. court advantage in this series what made this group in this team different with the kings
4: Well, I, I think for us we have been there done that you know we had a lot of confidence in ourselves and for us i hate to say this but we didn't take each and every game as serious as we did in the first championship From 1999 to 2000 if you go back and look at that team we just straight dominated everybody right And this year we had moments where we had ups and downs. And I'm not saying that's because of our, our mental approach to the game. I'm just saying it comes from, think about it. We had been to the finals, we had done all this work, and our bodies were taxing. And you get to the end of the year when you've been to the finals, you know, two and three years in a row, it, it wears you down. I think we were like kind of like on cruise control, and we got up for the big games and not so much for the, you know, the the, the mediocre games. And I think but when the Kings came around, we didn't have that. You know, that was one of those moments where you say, okay, we we don't need no motivation. We don't need anything because the Kings are trying to take what we want. And the Kings are one of those teams that they were flashy. They talked a lot of trash. And they had all the hype. You think about this. We were the champions. But everybody wanted that flash, that glitz because, you know, Vlade had the nice passes. Chris Weber had the nice pass. You had Doug Christie who could play D and Mike Bibby who was killing it. It was just – that, that, there was that it factor. So it was it was one of those things where all that stuff they did during the season was motivation enough for us when we played them in the playoffs.
2: Well, they showed a lot of that early on in this series. Coming into this mm-hmm. game, game four, you guys were down 2-1. Uh, you had just gotten beaten pretty handedly at Staples Center two days before, what was the mood of you guys and just the approach mindset of kind of having your backs against the wall as you came into this one?
4: You know, going, in, going into game four, we was the, the normal. We did our normal routines. We had our normal shoot-around, and we felt like, okay, they had a good game. You know, you, you're bound to have one of those exceptional games in the playoffs. Every team does. Every good team have where everybody's clicking on the, at, at the same time. And so for us, it was like, okay, we at home – they did what they were supposed to do. They got a game back. So let's do what we were supposed to do, you know, and tie this thing back up. And and our, our mindset was the same. And next thing you know, we getting punched in the mouth <laughs> two or three times. And we on the ropes. And we was like, oh crap, what can we
2: do about this? <laughs> Marv Albert, Bill Walton, and Steve Snapper Jones had the call for NBC.
5: Bill Jackson has said that they're going to give Mike Bibby some special attention, and they better start right from the get-go, because he is beating Gary Fisher off the dribble, and
3: that's why those shots are wide open. And again, Bibby gets the step. And again, Bibby is able to hit. So the Kings lead 9-4.
2: You had mentioned Mike Bibby. Uh, He was great. He had a great start in this Mm -hmm. one. A lot of penetration and kicks. Uh, He was scoring. He was doing his thing. What was the—do you remember— what the game plan was like coming into this one to try and slow him down? You know, we were more worried about the pick and roll.
3: They'll be using the pick from D-box. and hits Mike right. and
4: Because we didn't want to put Shaq in the pick and roll situation because when you come off that pick and roll, Shaq loves to help. And then if Chris Webber on the outside and I'm the, I'm the second big, there's nobody to catch Vladdy on the roll. So they was there was killing us on that pick and roll.
3: Webber with the rebound. Able to score, and the Kings now lead 17-9. to nine. They have an eight of their first ten.
4: And they were trying to switch me up and put me on Vladdy. And then so we could try to trap it to get out of Mike Bibby's hand. And then they were always counter kind of with something else. Mike
3: Bibby continues his remarkable play. Four for four. And
4: that's the great thing about great coaches. You might hit them with something to try to, you know, deter a play, but they got a counter to that counter. And and that's what they were doing. Everything we hit them with in the first half, they had a counter to it. And um you think about Vladi was doing this, thing, then Chris Webber was taking me down the post and you know, Chris outweighed me by like 30 pounds. So he'll back me down and when Shaq came to help. He would kick it. They was moving the ball. Christian was hitting shots. I can go on and on and on because that's how good they were in that first half. <laughs> the
5: Kings are now moving the ball so well. The, the Laker defense is reacting and they're chasing, chasing. And that's the reason that Devox is able to come across the middle and get these kinds of opportunities. Shaq's not going to be able to react. Robert Ory, none of those guys can react to the ball movement. They have got to stop the ball if they're going to get control of the Kings.
2: Well, and, and Rob, like you said that first quarter, they were up 40 to 20, and it was beautiful. Watching that, it was beautiful basketball. You you mentioned everyone. Everyone was involved. Was there any concern from from your end, from your Lakers side of things, you guys? Like, man, this is not looking good uh, this
4: early on? <laughs> yeah, it was say it wasn't looking good, but we were like, man, it's all right. You know, they had their run. Let's just get a run.
3: Lakers 8 for 25, 40%. Another brutal shooting performance by the Lakers while the Kings are 14 of 28. Final seconds of the first. Bibby, yes! Two seconds remaining of the quarter. Bibby, five for six. 10 points, Brian Shaw from center court. And you can hear the boos from this crowd. As bad as it was Friday night in game three for the Lakers
4: and your whole mindset is sort of like in hockey win a quarter win a quarter win a quarter and for us going into the second half we say okay let's just win this quarter let's just go out and try to cut this thing to 10. you know if it goes a little bit deeper than that so well but that's how our mindset was because sometimes when you say like you say you have your backs to the wall you it's good you want to fight uphill it makes the best of you come out And it's something about that fear factor that gives you that extra adrenaline to make you go out there and perform better. Um, It was so funny because Mark Madsen, everybody knows Mark Madsen from dancing. You should have seen him. He had this look on his face at halftime. We were walking out for the third quarter, and he looked at me like, Rob, are we going to do this? I looked at him, and and I looked. I said, no, man, we got this. And I said, we got this. And it was weird because at the end of the game, he he ran up to me and gave me the biggest hug because he said, "I believe in you." You said we had this and you, we we got this, and he was so excited. And, and those are times that I wish that we had cameras in the huddle, because when you're trying to you know get guys who haven't been in that position before before to follow you and believe in you, and you give them little motivational words like that, it's amazing how that can you know lift them up. And and for me. I was like Mad Dog's like uh, go-to guy for anything because everybody else used to kind of like you know pick on him because he was the little brother. But I, I kind of I had this thing for Mad Dog. But I know I'm getting off topic. But that's just something that always sticks in my mind about Game Four is Mad Dog's look and me telling Mad Dog, man, everything's gonna be all right.
2: <laughs> oh, you proved, you proved it right. You proved it right at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that second half. In the second quarter, it didn't start great. In the second quarter.
6: Credit Rick Adelman. He has got these guys believing that this is about skilled basketball, not about size and strength. And they're playing every facet of the game.
3: Not able to get to that the dribble.
6: And the Kings now lead 48 24. They double up on the Lakers. They have 48 points with nine and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. They might get 70 in the half.
2: But about eight and a half minutes to go, Kobe started to get going, Mm -hmm. and he was starting to take over.
6: Out of the time his first basket of the day, but they're going to need a lot more of that getting the Kings back on their heels. Well, the good
5: thing for the Lakers is they have a ton of time. 32 minutes left in this ballgame, so they got to do it in increments. Find a way to knock six off, seven off at a time. So by the time they get to the fourth quarter, the Kings are now maybe a tentative basketball
2: team. Was that something that Phil Jackson it said anything, did anything? Was that just Kobe being Kobe? What What was the circumstance do you feel like at that point in the game, you guys were down by 24 points, that he started to feel and look and know that it was go time?
4: I think it's just Kobe being Kobe, um, taking advantage of the situation.
2: Here's spinning
3: his
4: Because if you think about it, Vladdy is just as big as Shaq. Chris Webber is just as big as Shaq. Uh, And and their bench, they had a deep bench, too. Um, And and I remember every time they would double-team off me with Chris Webber, think about it, that's two seven-footers double-teaming Shaq. So it was going to leave someone open, and I think Kobe recognized that, said, okay, y'all going y'all to let Doug Christie try to stop me on your own? So I just he just went to work.
3: See if he picks up Kobe Bryant has hit two in a row.
4: You know, him, Bobby Jackson, anybody who put on Kobe, he just I got the size factor, I got the quickness, and Kobe just exploited them defensively.
2: What was it like watching him go through one of those spurts, or being on the floor with him when he had it going?
4: It, it was it was always incredible. I think back at my career, I played with some guys that you just want to sit on the sideline and eat some popcorn and watch them because they're magical. And, and Kobe gets that moment because Kobe, if you think about it, he could do everything. He could handle the rock. He could shoot the three. He could beat by you. He could beat you, get the hole, and dunk on you.
3: have it down to a 17-point you
4: When he's in this mode, you just try to give him space.
3: Kobe Bryant at the line. He has scored the last eight points. For the Lakers turning it in the second quarter after the 0 for 4 and the first. He's hit 5 for 6 from the field. And if you're a Lakers
5: fan, what you want to do is see that scoreboard come down to 14, 15 points, somewhere under the 20 that they've been dealing with this first half, so that they'll be ready to come out in the third quarter in the second half.
4: And the team we had with Rick, myself, and Fish, who started with him. We gave him enough space, but they they couldn't leave us. So it was a perfect scenario for Kobe. And if you let you know, Kobe, he's going to go at your man and get him to draw you, and he's going to kick it to you. He's up to you to make that shot.
3: Here comes Fisher. Oh, he changed his mind. But Brian is there. Kobe, what is this? Eric Fisher wanted to give it up. And saw he did not have anybody to receive it, to so force the shot. But the Lakers right back into it. It's down to a 14-point lead. Fisher called. Call the foul. Lakers are over 11.
6: Kobe Bryant is coming alive here after a nightmare First quarter. The rebound here gets it right to Robert Ory, and then Turkoglu does a fabulous job of scrambling the brainwaves for Derek Fisher. And this is a bailout here by Kobe Bryant, single-handedly saving his mates.
4: And it's not, if you're not going to make the shot, you got to do the hockey assist for him because he was—he's a, a visionary when he comes on the court. And it's always a wonderful thing when you play with guys with high IQs because they don't read the situation at hand; they can foresee the next situation and the situation after that.
2: Beautiful to watch and, and uh, to remember those moments. End of the first half, a little controversy. You pass <laughs> it to Smaki Walker, who hits a shot at the buzzer to cut the Kings lead to 14.
3: Final seconds. Walker shooting for three. Yes! <laughs> Walker, not noticed from long-range shooting, is able to knock it down.
6: Smocky did not... Attempt a three pointer during the regular season. And this crowd is energized. They are fired up. They are ready for more.
2: But this was before they had review in the first half. Yeah. It was very <laughs> close. And replays showed that the shot actually should not have counted. How much did that shot impact the rest of this game?
4: You know, I, if you think about it, it's three extra points. And so you never know what would have happened if that didn't count. But. Uh, um, uh, It counted. We're not going to talk about it. I I could go back in my history when I moved on to San Antonio, Fisher's side. And if you want to go to game six, the next game, Bibby had a moment too in that game where he had a shot that shouldn't have counted. So they kind of got some get back. So it it worked out in the end. So, you know, and that's the great thing about instant replay now that you can make sure that those shots are good. But back then, you know, we had what we had. And for us – it was, a, it, was a, it was a big motivation factor for us going into halftime. Think about it. You hit a half-court shot, that's almost like dunking on somebody. You know, you get that motivation going into half. we like, we excited, like, yeah, we got this thing. And, and also, it
0: makes the other team put some little doubt in their mind. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DK Hoops only on DraftKings Pick Six. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick Six not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up to date lists of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited see terms at pig6.draftkings.com/promos.
7: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty: Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics
2: Start the third quarter, you guys really picked it up on defense, and Kobe started picking up Bibby full court. You were trapping him some.
3: Mm-hmm. Shown by the Lakers. You saw the pressure bothering the Kings in the fourth quarter the other night. They're trying to get two and three people on
5: Bibby, and at uh, that time they get him to call a timeout. But they are really paying attention to Mike Bibby now.
2: What changed or adjusted from what you can remember at halftime and just what you guys did in particular um, on that defensive end? Because in the third quarter, you gave up just 15 points um, after allowing 40 in the first.
3: We'll see who receives credit. But of most significance for the Lakers, it's down to a nine point lead. Kobe Bryant got credit for the tips.
4: <laughs> you know, we also say, hey, you know, first thing we say, you know, they got their run. They got their run. You know, they're going to cool off. Just play good defense. And it's, that's what you tell yourself. You go in the locker room, you come out, we got this, man. We got them right where we want them. You know, they're feeling good. They're they scared now. Let's go out there. And these are the things that we're telling each other. And, just pick up the defensive intensity. Uh, we, I don't think anybody was in foul trouble. So when you're not in foul trouble, that makes you can be a little bit more aggressive. And for us, the guys who had to play on the wings, we went to Shaq and said, yo, we got to play aggressive. We got to funnel them to you. And when they come in there, you got to block the shot or punish them, but they don't want to come in there anymore.
3: is trapped. O'Neal. That's the third block shot
6: for Shaquille O'Neal. Lakers are playing ball right now. They found their game again.
4: And so that's what we did. We got up defensively. It started with Kobe picking up in the backcourt. And it, it, and when you play basketball and you see someone pick up someone in the backcourt, it energizes. You're like, well, if he's putting out all that energy and effort to make this guy turn three or four times in the backcourt, I'm not going to sit here and let them make it an easy pass because all that work was for naught. So a lot of us, we get up defensively. We pressure guys. We try to make them uncomfortable. And I think in the second half, we just try to make them uncomfortable.
2: Rob, it's cra- there was a play in the third quarter. So Kobe misses, and Shaq got the rebound, got the put back.
3: Ryan the shot clock running down. Neal on the rebound. To he to the of the official.
2: But in the process, he entirely knocks over Vlade and Chris Weber. I mean, <laughs> these are two enormous human beings. Um, yeah. How strong was he and how hard? I know you talk about Vlade giving him some resistance, but how just immensely, immensely powerful was he and how hard was it for Vlade to try and do anything against him?
4: Think about Shaq. If you really... There's nobody that could really stop him. Only person that could stop him was himself. And you got guys throughout the years that could give him a little, you know, a little restraint. Like, Vlade was one of those guys. Sabonis was one of those guys. Zhao. But nobody could match that size, that strength, and that, uh, that agility. And for him... When he, got, when he has it going, he can hit his jump hook and he's pissed off, so to say, it's hard to stop him. And I think in that moment, he got pissed off and he was punishing Vlade because when he spins and he puts that elbow up, you better get out the way because I know from practice against him, when he's upset and he spins, <laughs> you better duck, duck and run, duck and cover. <laughs>
3: he got inside. Brian Shaw able to get the ball Shaquille O'Neal, who was very deep and at at that point on the floor, unstoppable.
4: You know, I've been playing against Shaq since he first got in in college. He was at LSU and I was at Alabama. And I saw him go from skinny kid to this freaking brick wall. And with his agility and his footwork that he had, uh, uh, how he likes to say feet work, <laughs> he, he had the ability to spin on you. And when he wanted to, he can just ground and pound. And when he got mad, and he was like a gentle giant. And and I'm always telling him, man, be mad, man. These guys taking something from you. And and he would go out and just dominate. But and I, a lot of it also had to do if the refs were going to let him be shot. Because there's so many times where he gets hit by a guy, and you look at the ref say this is a foul, and the ref was like, he's big enough, he can withstand that. I'm like, that's not that's not fair. I'm like, a hit is a hit, you know, and a foul is a foul, regardless of your size and your strength. And for him, if you look at throughout the years, how much he got beat up in the post, but he kept his cool. And there was a couple of times where he, you know, he went on the defense and you know attacked some guys, but. During the playoffs, he kept his cool because he was getting beat up so much. And Vladi knew that the refs weren't going to call all the fouls, so he could like hit him on the slide, bump him on the bottom, because he's he's heard these refs say, "Hey, he's big and strong enough, but these sitting to bother him." And and for him to have the mental, because I know with me, I would get frustrated, but him to have the mental to go out there and still compete at a high level and not lose his temper in situations like that. It's amazing to me.
2: Fourth quarter, there's a sequence. There's about eight minutes left. Uh, you miss a three, offensive rebound. Kobe misses, offensive rebound. Lindsey Hunter misses, offensive rebound. Then you <laughs> get fouled. O'Ree hesitated to shoot the three. is on him. Once
3: again, the Lakers on another loose ball. No foul call. You can hear the reaction from the crowd. Here's Gray. And the Lakers still in possession. They have the new shot clock.
2: for three. Oh, uh, he You go to the line. You cut the lead to five. Do you remember that play?
4: You know, it's, it's. it's I barely remember, you know, plays in the post, but I remember that play because <laughs> my mom always used to joke with me about I never made play with a lot of emotion. And I said, it ain't the playoffs. <laughs> I said, well, I only play with emotion in the playoffs because you need to save. It's an 82 grind. You can't be like Magic Johnson, emotional from game one throughout the season. So, uh, And for me, I remember that play is just battling, um, trying to get position, trying to get a shot up. I was always mad when I missed bunnies. My whole philosophy is you cannot miss shots in the paint because that's the, that's like a free throw. If you're in the paint, you should score. Regardless of resistance, the size, because you know how you're going to shoot it, he doesn't. And for me, it was just about battling and and, and not giving up because it's the playoffs. You got to put your body on the line. Uh, I I remember Lindsey, Lenzel, we used to call him, is he was so quick. He was, you know, he was one of those great three-point shooters, but... He was a competitor too. And you think about it, we got a lot of guys that we mixed that team up with guys who wanted to repeat as champions, guys who wanted wanted to win the first champion. So we had a really good mixture of things going on in that situation. So it was it was back to that play though. It was about balling, about trying to compete, trying to get buckets and trying to, you know, put them because it, offensive rebounds, especially one not one, not two, but three, can frustrate a team as much as anything on the basketball court.
6: But the Lakers have been able to get back in because they're playing a disciplined game combined with a sense of desperation, realizing that there's no time to lose whatsoever. Bill Jackson, his poise, his composure, his quiet leadership, by example, has breathed some life back into this seemingly dead squad. And now the Lakers are right there.
2: You talk about not losing his temper, losing his cool, the disposition. Uh, Phil Mm -hmm. Jackson is someone, you (laughs) you watch him on the, he always seemed like he was just so cool on the bench. Uh, There was a shot of him that he was like picking his teeth in the fourth quarter and (laughs) just like as chill as can be. Was that that really how he was? and, And from what you could tell, how he felt through those moments?
4: Well, you know, Phil was such a Zen master. You know, he, he was always cool and calm. He always was trying to get you to compete at a high level. So he would put you through situations and practice and games to make you uncomfortable. And for him, think about it, he was working on his, what, ninth, tenth, eleventh, how many championships he got? You know, he was way up there. So, And he's been through every situation that there possibly was. And I, I know he's never really coached a great big like Shaq, but... He had Scotty, he had Jordan, he had the king, you know, that's the, the, the upper echelon of players right there. So if you look back at the way he used to coach us, he would sit back and sometimes and tell us during the regular season, figure it out. I'm not calling a timeout. I'm not going to do anything. You figure it out because I'm doing this for the benefit of you. So when you get in the playoffs, if we don't have a timeout or something like that, you're ready and you, you're ready to compete and understand that, hey, I'm just a coach. You know, you know the plays. Figure it out and run them yourself.
3: Weber, big move. 18 for Chris Weber. 88 81, Sacramento.
2: Yeah, and you, got, you guys had 25 offensive boards in that <laughs> game to, to the Kings' eight, so that was a, a big time part of it. Um, <laughs> so you guys obviously make a tremendous comeback. The Kings, though, don't fold into fourth. Um, you're <laughs> no, guarding don't. Chris Weber, and he turns it up. Weber. Well, Chris
3: Weber hit that critical jump shot in the fourth quarter on Friday night to stop the 14-0 run by the Lakers. That could be a big one right there.
2: And maybe at that point in his career, he lost a lost a step a little bit. But for you, what, what was your strategy trying to match up against him?
8: You know,
4: he, but people understand how good Chris Webber was. He could put it on the floor. He had the size. He had the strength. And his hook shot, you couldn't get to it. And... For me, he outweighed me by you know 20 to 30 pounds. And so it was really one of those situations where I tried to, you know, put him in bad situations, frustrate him, because it was hard to stop him. His reach and his length was so amazing. His quickness, he had that. And the thing about Chris that scared me the most was his spin move baseline. So that was the one thing I've always worried about. And so I tried to, you know, kind of force him to the middle but that put me in a bad predicament because it's his jump shot. And so it got to a point where, you know, I'm not even gonna lie, he was, you know, bigger and stronger and better than me. So we tried to put Shaq on him, and then it, it kind of worked. But uh for me, Phil always put me in those situations that, yo, I'm gonna get put a pop put me on a good power forward, Chris, Tim Duncan, Rasheed Wallace, and never sent me any help. I'm like, man, I need some help down here on this post, man. Because <laughs> think about it, these guys are great offensive players, no matter how greater defense you have sometimes offense is better than defense
2: oh i love it i love it all right now we're gonna get to the good stuff now we get to the good stuff because you start hitting threes <laughs> down the stretch mama ori saw plenty of emotion coming from you
3: <laughs>
2: all right so you hit two threes
3: a minute 40 remaining It's a three-point game with a minute and a half remaining in
2: the fourth. Uh, at the start of the fourth quarter, you give a little, little look back uh, to the Kings bench. Uh, how much did you appreciate knocking down shots in front of the opposing bench?
4: You know, um, if when you knock down shots in front of someone's bench, before you shoot it, you always hear someone with a little comment. And Bobby Jackson was that guy over there. He was always running his mouth. He was always talking a little noise. And I hit the one. He says, Oh, that was luck. Then I hit the second one. He said something I said, I'm not gonna tell you what I told him. But when I looked over him, I said, shut the something up, you know? (laughs) And so, you know, it was, and you know, they were that was they to me, I said, Yeah, you scared. That's a sign of you being scared, everything is gonna be fine. So I'm on my way back to win this thing. So it, it was, it was for me. I never was a trash talker, but something about knocking down a corner three, you can always hear people say little remarks. So, so for me, I'm saying, so, okay, you're going to talk a little trash? I'm already feeling good. I'm starting to heat up here, so I'm going to talk a little trash back.
2: <laughs> uh, what is it about your disposition or where it comes from that you could be so so even-keeled in such intense, high-pressure situations?
4: You know, I I, I go back from... Uh, starting in high school when I used to be so emotional and my mom and my coach would say, just, sh- it's a time to be emotional and it's a time not to be emotional. I would be emotional throughout the games. You know, guys would like, elbow me in a game. I would elbow them back. and want to start a fight, you know, stuff like that, because it's always about protecting your territory. And I think each stage of my basketball career helped me to be calmer, my high school years and my college years playing at Alabama the WIMP because WIMP was always in my ear telling me to do this for the team, you the leader, you gotta got be in this right mind frame, this like, and then going on into and, and the pros. And I think, you know, everything in my basketball career was a stepping stone to put me in the position to be calm in all those situations. And then in my personal life, you know, I realized that basketball is just basketball. You know, when I had a daughter who was deathly ill at the time and and I was always saying, okay, if she can get up and have smiles on her face knowing that she's in pain, why am I worried about everything else in life? You know, my daughter was such a great inspiration for me on the court. You know, there were some times where you would get in a situation where you're upset or you're not feeling good and I just reflect on her and think about her and it would bring me back to a calm. And for me, everything in my life I think put me in a position to have that mindset is it's a game it's important but at the end of the day you know it is what it is you just have to go home and you know love on your family and friends and hope that you know the basketball guys you know say Good job today, and bless you with some knockdown shots.
2: <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, the basketball gods were smiling on you, also on Shaq. You brought this, you brought this up about big-time games. He's knocking down free throws, so he hit some big free throws to cut the lead to one with 27 seconds left.
3: Shaq continues to hit his free throws. It's not a one-point
2: lead. He went 6-6 six of six from the line in that fourth quarter. You addressed this earlier, but what was it about his ability to focus and come through at the line in these type of circumstances? It's
4: only two guys that I can recall that were like that: him and Dennis Robin. <laughs> and and I know Dennis missed his on purpose. <laughs> but Shaq was the guy that when he got to the line, he and, and some guys are like this. You look around that locker room and on that bench or wherever it may be, and you see your teammates faces and they you see how much they're depending on you at this moment it makes you focus more and i think Shaq was that type of guy in the big moment she saw that we really needed him so his focus was laser sharp and he was able to go in there and and and, and focus and knock down those those free throws because you know there's so many times where he in regular season games, you know, he's thinking about other things. He's thinking about this, thinking about you know, you know, expanding his empire, <laughs> so to say. So, but and, and all Diesel? of us do that. His exactly. that before you know, that? Or? Exactly. Everybody does that, I think. But it's something about the playoffs and special people that when the playoffs roll around, you're able to block out all this outside noise, put those blinders on, and focus on the task at hand.
2: So uh, the Kings have the ball. There's only a two-second difference between the game clock and the shot clock. Two-second
5: differential between game and clock. 22.2 left in the game and 20 seconds left on the shot clock. If you do the Kings, you get that ball in and you use every single second on your shot clock before you put the ball in the air. Do you
2: remember what was going on at that point? Because you don't foul immediately and then foul Vlade with 11 seconds left.
4: What we're trying to do is trying to get, you know, a possession, a turnover, a trap or something, to steal. And we didn't want to foul certain individuals because when you get into a play where you trap a guy, a lot of times, refs expect you to foul. So that's the first thing we told the refs. We were like, hey, we're not fouling until 10, 11 seconds.
3: I think the Lakers have to foul here. And they do. One count. Rick Fox call for the foul.
4: And so we was trying to trap, but as soon as it got to the person we wanted to have shoot the ball, then we fouled. And when Vlade got it, you know, we had to foul him, and, and he went to the free throw line.
5: The Kings had the right strategy. Make them come to you, otherwise they don't have
3: enough time to set up a play. And it puts the Lakers over the limit. Vlade Divac is 8 of 10.
2: Yeah, so he, he missed the first. Uh-huh.
3: He one of two, and the Lakers call for time.
2: You made the second, so you're down two with 11.8 seconds left. Uh, do you remember what was said in the huddle when you guys were getting ready for that final play? Because it looked like a clear out for Kobe to drive.
4: Well, the play is called what the F, and and Field usually just gives you the finger and say, "This is what we're running. That's the, that's the truth. That's what the play is called. What the F?" Really, and so. Um, <laughs> If you go back and look at the play, it's like we, we run it all the time. Um, and you get in that situation where guys don't realize 10, 11 seconds in basketball is a long time. And so we run it exactly how we want to run the play. And and feels and, and like, okay, we're going to run this. We're going to either get a two. or Kobe, you can kick it back for a three. And we win this thing and we go home. And so that's what Phil said in the huddle. Kobe drive, get a two, or kick it back for a three.
2: Tell us what you remember <laughs> about that final play.
4: I, I can, I remember that play like it was yesterday.
2: Walk us through it. I wanna, I wanna hear your recollection. It's
3: a two-point Sacramento lead. We're down to seven seconds.
4: So we walking in, and I said, Kobe, get open. I get you the pass. I'm gonna throw it early, so you can get it, and I'm gonna run set you to pick. So we run the play. What the f? I'm taking the ball out of bounds on Christie. They let Kobe get it. And so Chris Webber's on me. So I'm running to set the pick on Kobe and Doug Christie. So Doug Christy sees me coming. Kobe looks at Doug Christy because Doug looks at me because he wants to get over that pick. So as I see that coming, I avoid the pick so Kobe can go because if I stop, I get an offensive foul to go the other way. So if you watch the play, I kind of, Move out of the way and hope that Chris Webber would stop and go with Kobe, so Kobe could kick it back to me for the three. So if you see the me, my hand is up, meaning I'm open, and so. But Kobe has the driving lane. So in this situation, you know we winning, we 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 rolling, so we can go in overtime and hopefully win this thing in overtime. Kobe drives, Chris Webber kind of follows him, not to the free throw line, but to the dotted line. He goes a little too far. So as Kobe's driving, he goes in, gets a good contest from Doug Christie and Vlade. He kind of shoots it long. Shaq is there. We got on Shaq tries to tip it in. He kind of short tips it because, you know, he's trying to quick tip it because of the clock. And then Vlade does everything every big is taught to do. In the meanwhile... I'm still out there with my hand up because Kobe has kicked it to me so many times for the three. And all of a sudden, oh, he didn't kick it. And you should see me. I'm still, I still I kind of bring my hand down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing you know, Vlada does what every big is taught to do. If you can't get it and the timer's running out, knock it out. But he knocked it out to the wrong guy, and it was like a perfect pass. And good thing Chris was too deep. Because if Chris would have been at the free throw line, he would have been able to intercept that block out. He would have picked, that, picked it up. He's too deep, so it comes out to me. And if you look at it, it's like a perfect pass. It catches. It, I catch it exactly where I like to catch it, at my waistline, my belly button area. Go up, and Chris looks and he tries to contest, but it's a little too late. Splash down for three. But you know, what? the best part about that shot is there's an aerial view from Staples and you see the whole crowd
2: just erupt when I hit that shot. Jim Durham and Quinn Buckner had the call for ESPN Radio.
3: From the far sideline, Fox flips it into O'Neal, out high right. Now Orie out front, 10 seconds, Kobe Bryant against Christie. Kobe Bryant on the move against Christie, in for the right, flips his shot up, no good. O'Neal lays it up, oh, missed it. Ball tipped Ory. out to Orie. a straight on three. Good! The Lakers have won!
0: Hits tour continues.
4: Oh, no doubt about it. He's got to be getting a Grammy for that one. In the ball bar, Dante is streaking across the floor. He outruns our players. He outruns everybody. He's the first to give me a hug. And to go back to what I said earlier with Mad Dog. Mad Dog, Mark Masson runs out to me and says, "You said, you said we was gonna win this game. You said we was gonna do this thing." And, and he runs and almost breaks my neck because he's hugging me so hard. But for me. That play is is the number one play and and in, in, in all my playbooks, and because it happened at a time of crisis, you know, we were down two one, we lose that game, we go down three one, and to knock down that shot in a Laker uniform in Staples was a, was one of the best moments in my basketball career.
2: When we come back, we'll get the details on what was going through Rob's head during the buzzer-beating three.
0: Download the new DraftKings Pick Six app now and use code DK Hoops for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DK Hoops only on DraftKings Pick Six. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick Six not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states Voidware prohibited. See terms at pig slash promos.
7: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
2: I've got a couple questions, though, about the shot. But first, and I say this with love, why, why didn't you crash the boards? Was there any part of you that was thinking to...
4: <laughs> I did tell you, I was still was I was waiting love. for the three. Was so much I love. was still
2: he waiting for the your three. Up. You're like, I got my
3: hand
4: up. <laughs> you know, I'm ready
2: to win this game, now, not going to you know,
4: overtime. I, I, I was out there for two reasons. They say that the bigs... I used to be a big. You know, I played big from high school to college. And then so they were going to knock it out. And by chance... If Kobe gets the rebound, kick it out to me for a three. Shaq gets the rebound, kick it out to me for the three. I wanted to win. I wasn't going in there to do a rebound. It wasn't going to, it wasn't going to do me any good to go in the rebound because I would have got it. they would have been on top of me. I had to force up a shot or kick it out to Fish, who was to the left in the corner. So, But I just stayed at the top because I'm always going for a win when I got some shooters on my side.
2: <laughs> I love it. I love it. What, what was going through when you, you were actually releasing the ball? What was going through your head? What's going through your mind at that point?
4: Nothing. You know, it, it it's so weird. You don't think about it. When I saw the ball coming, I was like, oh, great pass. Just shoot it. Because a lot of times you will watch guys in that situation where they just flick the shot up because they think the shot caught. Dude, I really shoot a good shot and take that chance of, you know, it not being good by leaving my hand instead of forcing, you know, a bad shot. So for me, I just say, you know what, I'm going to take this shot and – I have a picture of that shot where it's like point .1 on the clock, and I'm like this, like, oh, that's money. And so it, 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 I just knew it was money because I had just hit two in a row. And I tell people, I said, we would never been in that situation if Phil would have ran some plays for me from three because I would have put us up because I was hot that game. The second half, I was hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, for me, uh, I was feeling I good. It. So when I got it in the perfect position, I was able to knock it down.
2: Wait, what was the hands behind the back celebration?
4: Uh, man, you know, you know how comedians now, especially uh, uh, Kevin Hart said, say it with the chest. That's where you put your chest out. You know, he started peacock and let you know, hey, this is my game. You know, this is all me. You know, you, that, this was something. It was a prideful moment. Think about it. Anytime you're very prideful or something. Put your chest out. And that was me putting my chest out. Cause I was very, very happy and I was very proud of me and very proud of us as a Laker organization coming back in that in that and we were down well but we it got down about twenty six points at one point? It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was it was it was it was a huge comeback.
3: seed some Jim at the end of the half on a three-quarter that was called good, taken by Samaki Walker, and Robert Ory is able to pull it out by hitting from straight away, and this series is now tied at
2: two. After the game, on the court, you talked to Jim Gray mm-hmm. and said your teammates were saying you did it again with the <laughs> celebration.
3: First of all, have you ever seen a crowd in Los
9: Angeles stay and chanting, they're all chanting your name, Robert. Uh, It's a great feeling. You know, first of all, I got to thank the Lord for putting me in that position like that. But, you know, the fans are great. They didn't leave. You know, they stayed behind us. It was all about the fans keeping us in there and believing in us. How many times can you do this? You've gone beyond incredible with this type of a shot at the end of a game. Uh, I don't know. You know, I just go out there and just play. I always tell the right remember, I just like play the game. Whatever happens, happens. You know, you just got to go out there and play the game as hard as possible. You keep playing hard. You know, you don't know how the bounce is going to go. And then snacked, tipped, Shaq tipped it out. And they got the right bounce at the right time. When the ball went in and Kobe missed the shot, Shaq tipped it out. Did you look at the clock or did you just shoot? I didn't even look at the clock. I figured if I can get my rhythm to shoot, you know, we was going to be all right. I didn't even worry about that because if you worry about that, you're going to either rush your shot and throw your shot out. So I just took my time and got it under control and knocked it down. Robert, the team was down 24 points. Did you have the feeling and did your teammates have the feeling that the championship reign may be on its way over? No, you know, we personally, I've been down a few things, so I never even worried about it. You know, you just stay calm and take it one position at a time. You don't have to worry about anything. That's the thing about it. When you're champions, you move. You take it one step at a time and you go out there and do what you need to do to get the job. Do you ever feel any pressure in these situations? You hit two big three-pointers right there with the game on the line. No, I don't because I've been through worse in my life. You know, with a sick daughter, you know, nothing like this can really question me. So I just go out and play the game. It's been a very difficult series for you guys. Nothing has come easy. What makes you think now you can go up to Sacramento and win one of these last two? You know, with a game like this coming back from twenty four down, you know, we that's a lot of confidence. You know, even though we do have confidence, that's a momentum building, hopefully we can go out there and jump on them early because the two last two games they've been jumping on us early, so we need to get in there and get at them. You were in that huddle. Kobe hugged you, Shaq hugged you, all your teammates. What did they say? Could you hear it? Uh, they were saying you did it again, you know, so I'm just happy that they would believe in me and go out right there
0: and do this thing. Robert, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Unbelievable.
2: What was the feeling like knowing you hit the shot to win that game, the magnitude of that game, having Kobe, all of your teammates jump on you like that? What, what is that emotion and feeling like in that, in that moment?
4: You know, it's, it's, it's such an honor, first of all, to be able to be on that stage. If you look around the NBA, when you talk about iconic teams, the Lakers is always one of those iconic teams. And I made a lot of big shots, and but to do it in a Laker uniform on my home floor to hear those, those fans chant my name was an honor. And at, at that moment, I was so happy because I – because there is so many times as a player you want to be in that position and you don't succeed and for me to be able to succeed in the in the laker uniform around guys i grew up loving magic you know and, and james worthy and to be able to do it with shaq who i've been battling in college and and, and to low-key to do it for a guy that i have a great love for he, he mitch richmond you know i i, I he was on that team that year and he was trying to get his first championship and to put all these guys in the position to keep us alive and, and not let that hope disappear, because we go down three-one, that hope might disappear. And for me to be able to knock down that shot to keep us alive, to keep us our spirits up, was a, it was was a great moment for me. And and then in, in talking to Jim Gray, I remember telling him, I said, I said I just play basketball. At the end of the day, I just want to play basketball for the love of the game for the competition in the game, this for the sweat and, and to go out and compete. And, and that's what I did. I just wanted to compete at a high level and be able to accomplish something huge, like knocking on that shot.
2: Amazing. Um, the post game interviews, Vlade said it was a lucky shot.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think, you know, he, he tried to beat the clock, you know, everybody could make that shot, you know, that's last, last shot. It's just a lucky shot, that's
2: all. Chris Webber said it was a lucky play.
4: I said it was a lucky play, and that was a lucky play. Coach didn't draw that up.
0: That wasn't a second or third option. That was a lucky play. A fumble out of the inside, outside. Now, Ori shooting it was not lucky. That's a big shot. I have to give him credit. That's a big-time player. I was a lucky play.
2: <laughs> you handled yourself and answered it very well back then.
4: Uh, it wasn't no luck shot. I've been doing that for uh, all my career. So he should, he should know. He better read, uh, read a paper or something.
2: But now fast forward to today. <laughs> what do you think about when you think about them saying
4: that? I, I, you know what? I, that, to me, I knew what they was doing. They was trying to build confidence in themselves. Like, oh, anybody could do that. It's a lucky shot. I'm like, well... You didn't do it. If you did it, you'd have been winning. You'd have made that free throw. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to call him out like that. I so said, You had a chance to put you up four, but you missed the free throw. And I put up three, so you missed the free throw. So for me, I look at that situation like um, a free throw, you missed it. You went one out of two. I knocked down a three to win the game. So who has the most pressure? You know, and who's a better, who, who's lucky, who's not lucky? For me, it was just one of those situations where as an athlete, as a basketball player, you know what you're trying to do. You're trying to pump yourself up because now you're scared. You're scared that we just roared back and, and won a game on the home court. Now we
2: got the momentum going into your building. <laughs> Phil Jackson talked to the media after the game about the big finish and big shot Bob.
6: Well, that snatching of the victory from the jaws of defeat, I'll tell you, that was an uh, incredible finish. And I didn't draw it up like that, so don't ask me. But we got the uh, the shot we wanted, and obviously the rebound that Shaq got was what we anticipated we might get. And uh, we got the good fortune of getting the bounce. Well, you know, he's poised, he's calm, and, you know, he has a a steel uh, kind of will. He's a player that doesn't fluster in a critical situation.
2: Shaq didn't celebrate much at first. He explained why a couple years after.
0: When a real shot went in, I kind of didn't believe it, but I looked at the crowd and looked at everybody else. Everybody else was, was going crazy and D-Fish and those
2: guys started running towards the locker room, so I just followed them. You hit a ton of big shots while playing with Houston, uh, but was this the shot that you became big shot Bob?
4: <laughs> well, it, I was kind of a Big shot Bob before that shot. Um <laughs> it, it was it was it was weird because in know I think Craig Kilborn is the one who kind of put that name on me back when I was at the Houston Rockets. Um and then it just kinda reared his beautiful head, not ugly head, <laughs> his beautiful head during, you know, uh the series against Philly. I hit a couple of threes from the corner uh in the previous championship. So it was, it was, it was so many things that 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 Led to me getting that name, and you know, and, and I like to say earning that name.
2: You have a new podcast starting April twenty sixth called NBA Finals File. Yes. Uh fill us in. Tell us, tell us what it's all about.
4: The NBA Finals Files is me and Jabari. We're we're gonna rehash some of the greatest NBA moments, uh, greatest NBA finals, I should say. Um, we got Boston. We got you know the heat we got the rockets we got the lakers we got all these these different scenarios of a different um of teams coming in so it's it's gonna be a fun filled adventure for me and jabari and, and we just finished our first episode it was the heat versus the spurs which probably to me was one of the greatest matchups in the nba finals because each team won one one then you went three two then the you know that he had to go home win two in a row. So we had a, we got a lot of great finals that we're gonna talk about. So I, I'm excited about it because the, the main part is I get to go back and relive some of these moments, not with just me, but for other teams because I'm a basketball junkie.
2: Well, add podcast host to the the long list of <laughs> all all your great achievements and accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're so thrilled to listen. We're so thrilled to have you, sharing and reliving this memory with us uh i'm gonna put at the top of top of the line though lakers legend big <laughs> shot bob robert Ori, lakers legend so you, i cannot cannot thank you enough this was this was fantastic
4: man you just made me feel good by calling me a laker legend uh, you uh, are yeah. man but I, I think about for me growing up in alabama not being able to watch many basketball games on tv uh because we didn't get nba team nba games so you know you get college games and now to be put in a position where I can play for a team I you know, grew up loving. And and you know, for me, I, I playing one-on-one against Magic before I even got into the NBA and then coming to play for the Lakers, it was all these things for a little child. And growing up in a little small town, Andalusia, Alabama, to now be on this stage is incredible for me and uh, it is a blessing. So I want to say thank you for having me on, man, because you know, whoever thought I'd be doing podcasts, whoever thought I'd be in the NBA, ever thought I'd be in this position so I'm loving it
2: (laughs) story of inspiration story of inspiration thank you for that NBA Flashback is a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts